0: What's up, it's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill.
1: Live from the First Midwest Bank Studio on State Street, this is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. W-M-V-P Chicago. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at I-G-J-Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000.
0: What's up and welcome in Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000. Open phone lines for you 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on... Instagram at IG Jay Hood. Do you know that we're just 100 days away from the start of the NFL season? And I'm concerned about what the future of the Bears will be. Not just the 2020 season, but beyond. So let's you and I take a look back at the last decade and see what we can glean from the past. So in 2009, that was the first year for Jay Cutler. And the Bears went 7-9 and nine that season. Um, with Lovey Smith as the head coach. And then from there, we take a look at 2010 when the Bears went 11 and 5 and they lost their opportunity to go places. They got to the playoffs, but they lost in the conference round. And so you move forward through eight and eight in twenty eleven, then ten and six, eight and eight, five and eleven, six and ten, three and thirteen, and then five and eleven. And then a change took place after the Trustman Fox years, in which we don't speak of those years because that was five years of hell for you and I as Bears fans. We finally go to Matt Nagy as the head coach, and you know there was this excitement. About Matt Nagy coming in because there was a need a major need for something different offensively with this team when Trestman was here of course I mean he loved to hear himself talk I mean he, Mark Trustman would give you two hour press conferences seemingly because he wanted to tell you everything that he knew about offense uh, to the tune of 8 and 8 and 5 and 11 for his tenure year with the Bears. But when Matt Nagy came to the Bears, you just kind of thought, okay, Andy Reid system coming over, and finally the Bears will be able to have some semblance of offense that looks good. But you remember that first year, a lot of the bells and whistles and the old shell game on the L where you're just kind of like, yeah, we have an offense, but look at what we're going to do. We're going to have the old fridge play, and we're going to hide the negatives and accentuate the positives on Mitch Trubisky. And then that first game last year, I remember it looks like it was yesterday. You remember it, too. The first game, the only game that was on to start off NFL 100, and it was the Bears and the Packers, and you saw a bowling shoe ugly game. It was a horrible game between the Packers and the Bears. But, of course, even in a bad game, the Packers are the hammer and the Bears of the nail. And you saw once again why it does matter to be able to not hide your quarterback, but play him. Got to play him in preseason and get him ready for the season. Of course, that was a big bone of contention and great conversation we had here on ESPN 1000 about what do you do with Mitch Trubisky? Do you sit him uh, all preseason or do you start him when the season starts? And he looked like he wasn't ready to go to the tune of, again, 8-8 this uh, past season. But you look at this upcoming season, and I'm concerned because if the Bears are not able to get to the playoffs this upcoming season, you know what that means? That means that more than likely we're going to see a change. More than likely we're going to see something different from the Hallows Hall. The positive for the Bears is that they found an offensive mind in Matt Nagy coming over from Kansas City. Again, it is still a positive. But when you drop from 12 wins to 8 wins, it's a head-scratcher. So this season, will say a lot about how the Bears will fare this year. But I'm concerned that some of the strengths of the Bears are just kind of one-sided. We have got to look for career years from some of these players offensively to feel like the Bears have a real chance against the Vikings and the Packers. Career years offensively. So I saw Adam John's piece from The Athletic, and he and Fishbane do a terrific job. Kevin Fishbane do a terrific job from TheAthletic.com. Even now here on June 2nd, they are locked in on what we can see for the Bears as we are 100 days away from the football season starting. And so the piece was was terrific because it really gives you an idea of the 53-man roster composition, the positives and negatives for this upcoming Bears season. You and I talked about the draft, and we went over and over it, and we just know that the draft on its surface, as far as needs, was substandard you know that the Bears have to be better than that. It's not like it was a mirage. You and I saw those 16 games. Eight and eight, first of all, was not good enough. And secondly, you know that there is some need for quality on this football team. And so Ryan Pace tried to be able to fill the bill on some of this stuff. But I I look at this piece, ranking the Bears' positions by concern with an early 53-man roster um, prediction. And so I go through it, and I'll start with the positives. The positive is is that the Bears' defensive line, even without Akeem Hicks, was pretty solid. Akeem Hicks was not available because of the dislocated elbow. His absence did play a role in the 18-sack dip the defense experienced from their outstanding 2018 to 2019. Even though Hicks was not there, uh, still the the Bears' defense was very good. A lot of teams would like to have that defense, even without Hicks being one of the best interior linemen in the NFL. So he had one sack last season after having seven and a half, eight and a half, and seven the previous three seasons, as Johns talks about. But that is the best part of the Bears. His roster prediction, Adam Johns says it's going to be Hicks and Goldman and Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris, as well as Abdullah Anderson, who's going to be in his third year. So to me, that's the best. That's the best that the Bears have, but it's no surprise, right? It's the Bears' defense. So, of course, the Bears' defense is going to always be able to be the most distinguishing characteristic of the football team, but it is the defensive line. So he goes down and talks about the outside linebackers and talks about Robert Quinn, how he should be an upgrade over Leonard Floyd. I don't think there's any question about that. As a Georgia fan, I saw Leonard Floyd every snap of him in college, and I thought, boy, when he gets to the NFL, he's got a lot to learn. Because even on the college level, he wasn't someone that I saw that thought, man, Julius Peppers. He was not even close to that. Uh, He really took a step back once he's with the Bears. Moving forward, he just wasn't the player that the Bears thought they were getting. I didn't think that he was spectacular coming out of Georgia, but maybe he could learn, but he just didn't with the Bears. It just was not a fit. But here's something that we've got to pump the brakes on here. Let's just put a hit the balls button on this. So Khalil Mack has to be able to have the same production as he had in the 2018 season. It has to happen. And I understand, as we just mentioned that Akeem Hicks was not part of the mix because of injury, but Khalil Mack based on the capital that the bears traded to get Khalil Mack. And I still believe it's the right thing to do But Mac has to be able to give more. He still finished with the second most hurries with 30, which is a positive. But getting to the quarterback has to be something that happens early and often for this Bears defense. As we talk about the Bears... With Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app, I'm looking forward to seeing more from Khalil Mack this upcoming season because you and I know that he's got it, right? He's got the motor. He, he can be a top 10 player in this league when, when he's right. He just wasn't right last year. And so with Mack and then Mingo on this team, uh, I'm interested in finding out what uh, Gibson can bring uh, to this team as well on that, uh, for the defense and as far as the outside linebackers. So that's a positive. The secondary is a positive only because Kyle Fuller is on the team. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what he can bring because you talk about one of the cornerstone difference makers on the team. He's one of them. But the Bears also, um, they were able to get to uh, Gibson. So they have two Gibsons with a P on the team. Um, that might ease some of the concerns. I would agree with Adam Johns. Um, there, there isn't much that Gibson hasn't seen while making 23 interceptions over his 8 year career, so that is important there's no more Prince of Mucamara, so you gotta have some other de- defensive weapon in the secondary maybe Gibson can be that guy, so I'm not concerned about that so I, I found it interesting that when we go to 10, 9, 8, 7 on this list, that receivers were the 7th on this list I think you and I both know before I even get there what the number 1 issue is, right? But number seven on the list was receivers uh, on my list of concerns for the bears for this upcoming season receiver is something that I am very concerned about because it's one thing to be able to pinpoint Allen Robinson as a number one guy. Uh, but I don't know what to expect from Anthony Miller. And I know that Cordell Patterson is more or less a special teams player. And so now we're looking at Riley Ridley, a fourth-round pick last year. That's got to bear fruit at some point. Again, another guy I saw at Georgia that I know that can be a, a good cornerstone player for uh, this football team. But as I mentioned, we talk about career years, right? Riley really has to be that guy. Riley Ridley has to be able to take another step to solidify himself as a quality receiver on this football team, along with Allen Robinson. Miller, I'm not sure about. But even if Miller gives you something, okay, so now I got Miller, Robinson, and you've got Riley Ridley. And don't forget the veteran Ted Ginn Jr. is on this team as well. Whatever you get from him is gravy. Ted Ginn says, hey, don't worry about me being 34, 35. I still got a lot of gas in the tank. We will see. But I thought, as many thought during the draft when we were taking calls and talking about this, some thought, hey, there needs to be a little bit more speed on this football team. And so the roster Prediction from Johns is Robinson Miller, Patterson, Ridley, Mooney, and Ginn, okay so also something that I'm concerned about is the special teams. It is not where you could just roll the dice and just say, "Ah you know, just find just some kicker out there you know, Now that you know that that's very, very important. I am not convinced that Eddie Pinheiro is a guy that can be the starting kicker for this football team this upcoming season. I'm hoping that the Bears really take it seriously and not just have Pinheiro and just some dude that they pick up off the scrap heap and say, ah, just compete over there in the corner. We'll go over here and do the real football stuff, but whoever gets it through the uprights the most, You get the job. It has to be someone that you can depend on. I don't believe that Eddie Pinero is that guy. Now, I'm not going to spend an hour talking about the kicking game, but as you well know, a couple years ago when the Bears were in the playoffs, it would have been nice to have a kicker that you could believe in. So I'm very concerned about that and special teams overall with Tariq Cohen and also with Patterson. Is Patterson a game-breaker? Patterson's been in the Pro Bowl three times. Cohen was in the Pro Bowl in 2018. I'm concerned about the contribution from special teams from those two, Cohen and Patterson, and I'm also concerned about the kicking game. That is as high on the list for me, the special teams, as it is the offensive line. And, oh, boy, the offensive line. You know, when bars were open, you can find longtime Bears fans that would make the argument that Jay Cutler was not such a bad quarterback, but the offensive line sucked the entire time that he was the quarterback. And when he was getting sacked seven, eight, nine times in a game. <laughs> you can have somebody to make the argument that maybe the offensive line more times than that just didn't hold up for Jay. I can I can understand when someone can make that argument, make that case. But the offensive line, and talking to J.D. about it too, who covers the Bears for ESPN, he said you know it's his issue is is that the offensive line is not just one problem he's concerned about all of them he's concerned about how it's all going to be able to come together so they have a new offensive line coach in Juan Castillo who's the new Mr. Fix-it as John says it will uh it you know you take a look at what's happening with this Bobby Massey missed six games in 2019 after missing only two in his first 3 years with the team um Taking a look at Whitehair, Nagy said that Cody Whitehair should uh, stick to center and that the Bears should be able to keep Hambright and LaVicious Simmons on the practice squad, a couple of guys that they drafted. Now, look, when we talked during the draft, what were some of the issues, some of the things that the Bears must shore up? Offensive line was was that, but yet the Bears, I'm not going to say they wasted draft capital, but they waited late to be able to pick up a couple of guys that may not even make the team or will be on the practice squad. Charles Leno Jr., white hair, have to be difference makers on here on this team. And and so here's a key line in the column that stood out. Still, the Bears would have, uh, wouldn't have would have fired line coach Harry Heastan if all was well. Last season, the Bears ranked 27th in total rushing yards and 30th with a 3.7 yards per carry average. As much as I'm positive on David Montgomery, the, the running game was not as fluid as I would have liked. But... Clearly, as Johns has said, and many has also have said, the offensive line needs to be able to get better. But the number one thing is the quarterback, right? The number one thing is the quarterback. It was his the biggest issue. Now, I mentioned some things that are positive. I mentioned some positives about the defense, which is always the case, right? The defense, as far as the defensive line and the outside linebackers and the secondary, I mean, that's all the defense. But then the concern about the kicking game and the wide receivers, kind of in the middle with the running backs uh, kind of in the middle or, or the arrow pointing up for the inside linebackers with Roquan Smith and Trevathan and uh, right. Iwe Booneyway and, and those players in the inside linebackers but what about the quarterback spot so is it really bad luck or bad management when it comes to the Bears and what about the quarterback spot we'll discuss it next right here on UTH
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: You're listening to
0: Under the
1: Hood. Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
0: Talking about the Bears with you here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. You know how much I, I really love the quarterback tiers talk because it's great conversation when it comes to the hierarchy in the NFL with the quarterback. Listen, when we talk about the NFL, whether it's fantasy football, whether it's gambling, whether it's just talking about the game or teams across the landscape of the NFL, you know, we start with the quarterback first, right? What barroom conversation have you had when someone talks about the kicking game first or talks about um, uh, the right guard first? Of course, it's about the quarterback. It's always been the case, but it has really been uh, something that has been an electric conversation for a long time, but definitely now, right? Because... Even some of the teams that are in the middle or teams that are not faring well the NFL, the quarterback situation is always interesting. Like, I could give you a segment on Baker Mayfield, but I just don't want you to turn off the radio. <laughs> I could talk about that or talk about Kyler Murray and some of the other younger quarterbacks, but I don't, I'm not going to do that on this show. But I will talk about the quarterback tiers as far as where Mitch Trubisky is, because, as I mentioned, this is a very, very interesting season for the Bears. I've always said this. When you are a team that is at the top of the heap, like Kansas City, or at the bottom, like Jacksonville or, or Cincinnati, at least you know where you're going, right? From Kansas City, you, you're already at the t- mountaintop. Now you're going to see if you can stay there or someone's going to knock you off. When you are uh, teams like Cincinnati, Jacksonville, teams like that, that had a hard time, you know that you got to continue to make improvements. But when you're in the middle, when you're eight and eight, boy, that's tough. That's that stinks. It's bad when you're eight and eight because you don't know the direction and you don't know what's next. Yeah, you think, oh well you just gotta get better, right? Well you never know. Because it's the National Football League. Eight and eight and being in the middle in sports is horrible. Because it, it's that fear of the unknown. Can we be able to get better? Can you, can you say if we're eight and eight, you definitely will be 10 and six the next year? Or do you go backwards to six and 10 because of injuries, ineptitude, uh, poor play, poor production? You just never know. You never know. Jason Lochanfora from CBSports.com wrote a piece that says 2020 NFL quarterback tiers, franchise guys, rising stars and stop gaps, uh, where your team starter ranks. Now, this is a takeoff of the Mike Sando piece that we enjoy so much from TheAthletic.com. Mike used to work for ESPN, now he's at The Athletic. And if, as Davis will tell you, every single year when the quarterback tiers comes out, that's like weeks of months of conversation because we go over it and over and over it and just try to figure out where the bears are with those quarterback tiers and, tr- and try to find out if there's room for improvement. I just kind of, before we hear from JD, I just want to just kind of go through um, the bona fide franchise quarterbacks, and I want you to compare Nick Foles and Trubisky to the names I'm going to give you. The bona fide tier one franchise quarterbacks, according to Jason Lockenfour, who's terrific when it comes to the NFL, is Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger. I might have an issue with like maybe a one or two of those guys, like you know throwing Wentz in that. As far as bona fide franchise quarterbacks, we can make it have an argument about maybe him and and seeing if Deshaun Watson takes another step. I know he's he's very good. Lamar Jackson, I know he's very good. But before we say bona fide franchise quarterbacks, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um and see if there's another step, another gear to their game. Remember, the championship and sustained success are the measuring sticks first. Before we start labeling people great or bonafide, those are you know those are very good quarterbacks. And tier one looks good for you know you know and Brady. That's another conversation. Um, tier two, top pros, proven winners for 2020. Lock and Fora has uh, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, and Dak Prescott. Top pros: Matt Stafford. Can you say that out loud without smiling <laughs> or frowning? Matt Stafford of the Detroit Lions. Okay. Tier three rising stars. Uh, he says Kyler Murray and and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo for sure because he was in the big spotlight in the Super Bowl, and Kyler Murray still has a lot to learn. I would say. Um, I, here's one thing we know about Kyler Murray just from one year for, with Arizona. You know, the guy can run around, and it doesn't matter his size. It's about ability and arm strength, and he has both of those. Tier 4, you can win with them. Uh, he has Derek Carr from Oakland, Ryan Tannehill. Um, he has Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Jared Goff, Philip Rivers, and Tyrod Taylor. You can win with them. That's Tier 4. Okay. Um, I have no major problem with that list. That's fine. Uh, but by the way, the Ryan Tannehill is interesting. You you can win with them. Davis, yeah, you can win with Ryan Tannehill as long as he just continues to to hand the ball off 35 times. And has Derrick Henry in
1: the back of your
0: <laughs> Just <laughs> crushing defenses and wearing them down so he can go play
1: action to those big wide receivers on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, you can win with them.
0: Just, re- just remember, I, remember I told you, Davis. Remember I told you. I will never... Take apart an athlete based on the money he makes because you earn every penny. They, they want to give it to you, you take it, right? But my God, Dan <laughs> Hill's taken care of. He's like, oh, you want to pay me? Cool. Here, here's forty handoffs. We're gonna, where the Titans gonna be like in you know, 1985 with the running game? What happens
1: when he look, walks in and the game plan is for like forty throws
0: <laughs> on Sunday? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, is this Mahomes' play, game plan? Like, this isn't right. mine. I'm sorry, I can't do that. (laughs) That's that's the answer. Tier 5, guys, veterans, and placeholders. Um, They have one person on here, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is true, a veteran and a placeholder. So you're wondering, like, where are the Bears, right? I'm I'm naming all these guys, so where are the Bears? Lock and Fora has a Tier 6, and it's called Good Luck. And you know who's the only quarterback on here for Good Luck? Mitchell Trubisky. One quarterback, Good Luck. It says, it's doubtful this era in Bears history ends well. Jobs are on the line with so much invested in this overdrafted quarterback and at some point Nick Foles, a tier five guy, if he were in this thing, not a huge upgrade. will get his shot in a system that he knows well. There is nothing inspiring confidence about the Bears offense and watching it the past few years has been painful. See what I mean? We're 100 days away from the season starting and it's kind of like... Well, as I said, when the Foles deal went down, Foles is an upgrade over Trubisky. But what does that mean for the long haul? He's under the good luck tier by himself. Last year in the good luck tier was Eli Manning and Case Keenum. They also were in the good luck category. And I think good luck is being uh, like facetious or being sarcastic. It, so I'll just stop right there. The rest of them you can just figure it out by yourself. But just think about that. The good luck Category for Trubisky, that's that's tough. As we talk about the Bears with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. So Jeff Dickerson was on with me not too long ago, and we talked about a number of things with the Bears. Jeff Dickerson covers the Bears for ESPN.com. I asked him a number of things, um, and, and here's one that we need to focus on. So there has been this talk about Trubisky versus Foles, that there's going to be quarterback competition, even though we have on record that um, that it was been said on December 31st from Ryan Pace that Trubis- Trubisky's our starter. Trubisky's going to be our starter. But yet, after saying that, through the side door, here comes Nick Foles. So it, on the surface, it appears like it's competition. But I just need to know who's going to have the final say when it comes to who's going to start. I asked J.D., does Nagy have the final say at the quarterback competition?
3: I think that he has to have full autonomy, and he's got to make that call. Now, was that the case last year or the first year? I, I think that's a little more muddled, and I would think you know there might be a little more influence coming from above. But I think right now, I mean, the, the key is, is them getting the right quarterback in there that's going to win games for them and run this offense the way it has to be run? You just can't worry about feelings anymore. Okay, the Mitch thing happened. Yeah, we still talk about it, and every time you see Mahomes or Watson, you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? But it's over with, right now. You got to move on. You gotta, you gotta put yourself in position to get back in the playoffs. Because if you don't make the playoffs, then it doesn't matter. Then then everyone's going to be vulnerable. I think for for some changes here. So. This should be the head coach's decision. I really think for the most part it's going to be. I think Nick Foles is the head coach's guy. I mean, I'm saying that he's here because the head coach believes in him and he's the quarterback that they prioritize getting that deal done with Jacksonville. So now that you've got him here and it's got to be Nagy, with, I'm sure he will collaborate with his coaches. So let's not put it all on just the head coach, Jonathan. I think the offensive coordinator, the new quarterback's coach, Maybe the passing. I mean, I think everyone's going to have a say. But I think ultimately, as the head coach, it's got to be Matt Nagy's decision because it's his offense, and he knows best what he needs to run it the right way.
0: J.D., with his thoughts there about the final say-so, because that is going to be big. I really believe that Trubisky, I'll say this with 100 days remaining before we have a football season officially, that Nagy's going to go with Trubisky to start off with, and Trubisky has to fail in the job in order for us to see Foles as a quarterback. And I don't even know if that's going to be enough to save the Bears to make them a playoff team, especially as good as the Vikings, the Packers, are, unless there's going to be some slippage from those other two teams in the NFC North. Now, let's go and focus on Ryan Pace for a second. So, Ryan Pace has had some good draft picks and some not so good. See, to me... The draft is a crapshoot. You should know, especially early in the draft... Difference-making players that can help you. I've always believed that if you are going into a draft, you go in and you go to find needs for your football team, not best available all the time. All, you know, sometimes I've been I've been even flexible enough to say sometimes you got to try to find the best available. But I believe uh, really the majority of your draft picks should be able to fill a need. Uh, if you don't need anything in your draft, and you should trade your your picks for futures. Uh, simply put, so, so I can understand it. If I need milk when I go to the store, why would I just buy three cases of Gatorade? I will come home with three cases of Gatorade and still will not have any milk. <laughs> like, So if I need milk, you know, uh, like I, I I need milk, but instead the Gatorade was the best available as far as price. So we're going to go with that. No, we're going to go with the milk because I need milk. So he's had some issues with the draft. And again, 12-4 and to 8-8 and is not great, as you well know, because you don't know what's happening next. I'm not trying to scare any Bears fans. I'm just saying, like, this is the reality. It's the NFL. You just don't know what happens from week to week and year to year. I just want the Bears to be competitive enough to get to the playoffs. That's what I want. Postseason tells the great story. Uh, Being out of the playoffs and the unknown and the uncertain, we've been through that way too much. So I asked J.D. about this. I asked him. You know How would he assess Ryan Pace as general manager and what he's dealt with? Does he consider it bad luck or bad management?
3: We make our own luck in Mm -hmm.
0: life.
3: I'm sorry to say that. I think uh, certainly, you know, look, there are certain things in life that are out of your control, okay? There's sometimes you're just going to have bad luck, and no matter how hard you try and you fight, it's just not going to go your way, okay? But I would say more times than not, not really about luck it's about solid decision making solid evaluation I mean yes you will certainly at some some point you get unlucky I get that there's an injury you're not expecting a guy goes down but usually if that happens there have been a few things preceding it so I think as a GM you can't rely on luck Yeah, you need it but you got to rely on your skills and your proper evaluation. So if people want to just use uh, for any executive in sports, that they're just unlucky, I-, I would say that's usually a loser's lament.
0: So the there you go, J.D. Uh, talking about that. So uh, coming up next, I want to kind of really lock in on Matt Nagy as the head coach for this Bears team. As always, we're open for business. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. 100 Days to Football – Are you with me that when we watch this Bears team, there might be some concerns? Uh, Is there more positive than negative with this Bears team? Is there something I might be missing? It might be something that I might be missing as I look at this depth chart. Maybe you can fill me in about this upcoming Bears season, 100 days away from the NFL starting. So is there something I'm missing with this Bears team that you're looking forward to? As i to me i 've weighed the positives and negatives with this team, and it's again it feels like five hundred it feels like maybe a slightly under five hundred based on its personnel. The offense has to me to me has to have some career numbers to be able to match what the defense can bring, and even that it won't even be as close. So i want to get your thoughts on that. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Sean, let's open the phone lines for Bears fans if they want to jump in. We know what's going on uh, all over our, our country and all over our city. I just wanted to get some Bears calls in here and find out your thoughts on that as we hear from Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Bears, that is coming up next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
1: It's under the hood. Follow us on the ground at IGJhood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.
0: Robert Latal from BlackSportsOnline.com is going to be with me coming up at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. We'll talk about athletes and their activism and uh, uh, whether it's appreciated or uh, whether it is uh, a bad thing for some people, the way they look at it. So we'll talk about athletes and, at, and the and also the activism of athletes uh, coming up at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. So Matt Nagy recently was on Golik and Wingo, uh, our morning show from 5 to 9 here on ESPN 1000. And so Nagy talked about a number of things. I want to listen and react to what, Coach Nagy had to say. First and foremost, he talks about some of the changes made this offseason with the Bears.
2: So at the end of the year, just reflecting on the, the very first thing I did when the season ended is I, I just went back and say, Well, if I could change something or if I if I could do something different, starting with myself, what would it be? Where did it start? And that's right away what my mind went to. And you know what it was, guys? It was it was the 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 word toughness is what hit my brain right away. I didn't think um, you know, collectively, all of us, I'm not just saying players, I'm saying coaches too. all everybody. I don't feel like we were as tough as we were in 2018. And so that doesn't always just mean physically, but mentally too. Well, when, when you don't play your guys in the preseason, and there was reasons behind that, but when you don't play them, then there's a little bit of a, you know, you just don't, to me, you don't have that same mentality in training camp. Your guys aren't getting those reps in the preseason, and I just reflected on that, and I, I was, I was, you know, I was upset that that I did that, I, you know, and again, that's where I start with, with with that right there. So our guys have been told loud and clear that they're coming in to whenever this does start in training camp, this is going to be a physically demanding training camp, and and it's going to be mentally challenging, and and you know, people talk about it. But this is something that we're going to do. So as long as our players know that going into it and they're training hard right now and we're smart about it, then I think that's going to make us a lot better team in 2020 just from the start right there.
0: Let's talk about what Nagy said there. Talked about toughness, physically and mental toughness. And so that toughness, I think if I was doing this show 20 years ago, which I was doing shows like this 20 years ago, it would have been a younger Jonathan Hood saying, This coach is not getting this team in position to win because they're not tough enough. This coach has to be able to make sure this team is tough enough to be able to go through the rigors of the National Football League schedule. What the hell is he doing? This guy needs to be gone. But now in 2020, when he says physical and mental toughness, I don't know what that means in a Matt Nagy camp. I'm not sure what that means mentally tough, um, is be, make sure that you're focused from play to play. Physically tough? I'm not sure what that means because, as you know, in the NFL, the type of training camps and the type of uh, physicality that teams used to go through with the Oklahoma drill and, and you know being able to take on your teammates in practice, it is softer now than it was even 10 or 15 years ago. I remember going to Platteville. I remember going to uh, even A when it first opened. It was a lot more of a physical practice than what you're seeing uh, right now. It's different. It's different. It's a lot of preparation, but it's different. You also thought about the preseason. You can thank Jesse Rogers and Mark Silverman for that, their conversation about the preseason, how it didn't make any sense for a lot of these starters to just stand on the sidelines and not feel the game. Uh, I, I was steadfast in my belief that you need to be able to have that feeling of the game. You're a football player used to being able to be physical. How is it that you're going to be physical by staying on the sidelines for four quarters of a preseason game? It doesn't mean anything. You are concerned about injury, but you also should be concerned about having that feeling of, okay, football seasons here. I'm going to play for a quarter. I'm going to play for a couple of series just to get my feet wet. And so for whatever reason, Mitch Trubisky was put on and put in glass like he was Tom Brady, like he was um, like he was Patrick Mahomes. And and so I didn't understand that. And so he went through all these two preseasons like, oh, he's just not going to play. I remember Adam and Chris being on like, I believe it was. I can't remember the Bears were playing maybe Kansas City that that first preseason game under the Nagy regime. And so many Bears fans were calling up pissed off like, wait, wait. So I got tickets to this game, and I'm not gonna see. We're not gonna see any of the starters. It was like we knew the night before that the Bear starters weren't gonna play. It Might have been a press release, and it was just like it was so bizarre. Not even a series, not even a couple series, just to get your appetite for the Bear season. So we talked about that. Also talked about physically demanding. How physical? How how physically demanding can you be during this COVID nineteen? Like like what kind of practices can you have now versus before COVID nineteen happened? Interesting. Also, Matt Nagy with Golic and Wingo talking about the quarterback situation.
2: They, you know, you know what they, they know everything that, that everybody else knows. And that's the best part of our situation that, that I feel like is um, they are literally getting to both get an amazing fair chance to win the starting quarterback job for the Chicago bears. And, and so how do you do that? Well, right now, you mentally prepare yourself as best as you can. You ask as many questions. You watch video. You train on your own and, and do as much uh, staying in shape and throwing as you can. Um, but then when we get into whenever the start is of the season, then it's our job as coaches, because of the lack of offseason, um, we need to make sure, and that's what we're doing right now, that when we script these practices um, that there is a, it's a fair competition with, again, what, what reps they're getting, how many they're getting. We have to create more reps in practice so that we can evaluate it. And so there's ways to do that, just to keep things the way that it's always been. This is a different year, uh, the, the way it's going. So we're going to be creative with that. Um, there's not going to be a day that goes by that they don't understand um, or hear pure honesty from us. And then when you do that, it makes it so much easier that when you make a decision, they know the why part. And then they just keep working. And that's where we're at.
0: Now he talks about pure honesty with uh, the quarterback situation with Trubisky and Foles. Pure honesty. He also says it's going to be an amazing fair chance is what he said. An amazing fair chance for both quarterbacks for them to compete for the job. Okay. Um, amazing fair chance. Trubisky is going to be the starter. Also, with him saying that, if Trubisky is a starter and Foles does not beat out Trubisky, and you know Foles is a better quarterback, whether you think it's, it's small and granular or it's a gulf between uh, Trubisky and Foles, if Foles does not start, then I think you know what's up, right? An amazing fair chance for both and pure honesty on who should start and who should not start. Um, the lack of offseason and as far as the preparation is concerned, he talked about that as well. Um, interesting. Interesting. Uh, well, he talks about that amazing fair chance for both quarterbacks. Uh, all right. So let's move on here. How is Mitch handling the situation?
2: He's dealt with these changes as best as you possibly could. And that that's where, again, until you're in his shoes and you understand what he's been through, um, it, it's hard to it's hard to understand that. And so but we are we're, we're there. We, we talk about it. We understand that just like you said, when you win, you get all the credit. When you lose, you get all the blame. Now, how do you balance that? And that's together for us. It's the same thing for all of us. We, we have each other's backs. Now, there's a responsibility to win. We all need to win. That's what this is about. And, and so instead of, like, we, we move on. We don't hang on to the past. So 2018, that's gone. 2019 in our world, that's gone. What are we going to do to change 2020? And if you start worrying about what happened in the previous years, every year's so different. So he's been really great with how he's handled it, I love his focus right now. Um, you know, we, we're not hands-on, but we are able to see the questions they ask. We can see where they're at in these in these meetings and how they go about with their teammates' interaction and with their coaches. And, you know, if there's a scale of 1 to 10 on where he's at, he's certainly at that 10, and, and I appreciate that. So, now, Nick has also made that really, really Good in regards to that room because Nick is a really good person and it's a it's a healthy Zoom room right now. So when we get out onto the field, it'll be you know competitive and the juices will be going. And but I, I just know that again we have great coaches and good people and that's usually how you try to make it work.
0: A healthy Zoom room is what uh, Matt Nagy said and talks about um, how Trubisky has terrific focus right now and uh trying to be hands-on 2018 2019 is gone and so the focus is on 2020 well i agree with that you have to be able to look at 2020 because 12 and 4 to 8 and eight. now you don't know what's what's next I, I just think that for every team in the nfl including the bears that this is going to be a, a very strange year because it's one thing to be able to send over the playbook and have them understand it and having meetings but it's nothing like that hands-on approach, that hands-on when these two quarterbacks and the rest of the team is at House Hall, and they're working together, and you can see it. See, a lot of this is a lot of happy talk, and that's fine. I mean, listen, he's got to be optimistic. But it, he sounds like he has a different focus for 2020, but the way he, was, he goes about the NFL, the way he's going about uh, trying to figure out this offense is going to be different because of COVID nineteen, because the players are not sequestered uh, at House Hall and in camp and working on these things. It's just going to be different. It's going to be different. It's one thing to talk about it; it's another thing to be able to, to execute. He talks about how he loves Trubisky's focus. All right, cool. Focus on trying to be the starter. Focus on being a better quarterback. What's the what focus? It's it's a lot of happy talk, but it still worries me as the number one concern for this Bears team. There's other issues with this team, but there's nothing more important than getting the quarterback position right. My also concern is about the future for this quarterback spot. Because whatever happens this year happens, right? But in two or three years, who's the quarterback for the Bears? I don't think it's going to be Nick Foles. It's going to be someone else. And so there is, again, a concern about starting over every three or four years, trying to find a quarterback. Cutler was in there for a while, sure. But just the the idea that you don't have a franchise quarterback that you can build on, that's the thing that is really um, a concern for me because you know that the NFL goes running around because of the offense. And so if you don't get that right, and you're just trying to depend on defense, well, that's just backwards in 2020 and beyond. That is for sure. Coming up, we talk about athletes and, at, and and the whole thing when I look at athletes and their activism uh, because it is prevalent on social media now around this George Floyd story and other things that's happening in communities across this country. We'll discuss it next on UTH.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood. Hood.
0: It's interesting when those that look at athletes believing that they should just shut up and dribble, when entertainers are just speaking their mind about what is going on in our world, we put entertainers and those one percenters in a box, don't we? we always, always pull that, well, you're supposed to just sing for me, you're just supposed to play basketball for me, just play baseball for me, and then um, I can have an opinion, but you cannot because you're an athlete. It is uh, insulting and it's really tiresome, but this is where our world is right now. Not the entire world, but sections and pockets of our world um, are still in the belief that just because you are an entertainer, you should just stay in your lane and just entertain us and then just go home and then just get into your little box and, and when you get home and then when you come out, come back out to entertain us. And I just think that this is completely stupid. It's always been ignorant. It always has been. Because your opinion matters, like I, my opinion matters, just like anybody else matters. When we start looking at ball players and, and entertainers and everything that is, that checks the box as far as entertainment, when you have basketball players, baseball players, hockey players, sports athletes and sports figures, when they start speaking out on issues like George Floyd um, and others, that's a positive because it spreads the message of what is wrong and how we can fix things in our society. Again, I'm just not going to just dwell in the ignorance of some some people on social media or those that have a microphone in front of them. I'm not going to dwell on that. All I know is this, is that anybody that feels uh, that because they play basketball that they shouldn't speak out on social issues is is stupid to me and here's why it's stupid for those that live in ivory towers and live on a house in the hill and are well to do with a five or six figure salary um and and feel like well you know what's going on with george floyd is out of out of control and just just weird and strange and i don't know how to, to approach it those that have played athletics some that have played athletics they know the struggle of black people or Latino people. They know the struggle of those that have gone through issues in their community. If they haven't experienced it, they know someone that did experience it. So that's why their voices needed to be able to explain to those that don't know, or those that are are sympathetic to these issues. So we'll talk to Robert Lattell from BSO and get his thoughts on athletes as far as as how they are able to talk about these issues that uh, plague our country, especially from a social standpoint. We'll hear from Robert Littell next on UTH.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.